You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 2, Episode 19. Carissa, what is your sermon title this Sunday? In the Beginning. I'm going to let you guess what my passage might be for that one. It's a big mystery. (laughs) Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1? Just the whole first chapter of John. That's how John pericopes work, right? Okay. (laughs) The whole chapter. A little bit later. All or nothing. Yeah, how about you? A little bit later in the gospel. Right, right. (laughs) What's, What's your sermon title this week? Setting the Table. Ooh, sounds tasty. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's our Stewardship Sunday, and uh, I am I am deviating from the lectionary, and I am looking at the birth of the Christian community or the movement or the way right after, right at Pentecost. And so I am uh, looking at uh, the end of chapter two of Acts a bit talks about the early community living together in unity and sharing everything and selling their property and pooling their resources to provide for everyone as needed. I think that that is a really great transition too, by the way, to letting everyone know what our plan is for the summer. Yay! Summer is here. It is. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're covering beginnings of the church movement going through Acts Mm -hmm. for June. I'm I'm sticking with the lectionary, but the lectionary is in Genesis for a while. And I'm going to take those first four pericopes from Genesis that are in the lectionary. Uh, The creation of the world, the promise to Abraham, the driving out of Hagar, and um, the binding of Isaac. And so my thread is sort of the beginnings of human humanity's formal relationship with God and yours is the beginning of the Christian church. So there are a lot of parallels that, that we'll be able to draw from that. Yes. Uh, without a doubt, the, the idea of what it means to be in relationship with God and one another is going to be at the core of our preaching these next four Sundays. And uh, it seems like that's going to also lend itself very well to connecting the lessons in the scripture to uh, everything that's going on in our world today. Oh my gosh. I really, I was thinking about this earlier today, Alan, and I really feel like we did our screaming and swearing podcast episode two weeks too early. (laughs) (laughs) like what a disaster everything is right now oh my gosh i just holy crap it uh you know i would i would just be careful to say that we should have saved it because that's almost asking for something worse to happen in these next few weeks I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to take that chance. Like, there's only so much. My fr- my friends from Africa are texting me, like, what the hell is going on over there? <laughs> like, when, you're, when your friends from South Sudan are like, we're praying for you because it looks bad. Yeah. Guys, we need to pay attention to that. <laughs> there's a, mm-hmm. you know, um, wow, just 
Wow. And I will probably we'll get it. Well, I mean, we're jumping in anyway. Um, but this is why I am feeling after we're done with this Genesis and Acts um, parallel series through June, uh, beginning of July, we're digging into Revelation, guys. We're going there. We are going there. Yeah. And it started as can, a joke. <laughs> it started as a joke, but I can confirm that we are going there. We are planning this. And, you know, that's uh, that's normally something that we in the clergy avoid because, oh my gosh, everybody has some crazy theory about Revelation. There are so many. And right now, the crazy theories about Revelation are, I'm hearing people both from the right and the left of the the spectrum pulling out Revelation right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is, we need to talk about this right now. And we're, we're bringing in our friend, Rebecca, who has joined us in the past for, um, for episodes. She's going to be joining us in that journey as well. Mm -hmm. And, and honestly, it is, it is timely in another sense because uh, we are seeing an unveiling of some of our, darker realities, uh, some of our more awful realities as we look at the current state of affairs in the wake of the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis Police Department, and then in the response to protests across the country after that murder. Yeah. Um, I think that that Revelation is perhaps the most timely book of the Bible to be looking at right now, but maybe not in some of the ways some folks are thinking. Yes. So uh, please stay tuned for our uh, for all of our podcasts and especially for our Revelation series coming up. Yes. And if you want to do a little bit of homework ahead of time, I cannot say enough good things about N.T. Wright's book, Revelation for Everyone. It's an excellent book. Um, It's a good book for lay folk and clergy alike. So if you want to get a little bit ahead of the game on that for this series on Revelation, I would pick up a copy of that. So So, speaking of unveiling the world. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, world, what are you doing right now? Oh, United States, you just imploded. I, like, yeah. This is, uh, from a clergy standpoint, almost the definition of I can't even. I was going to say the definition of a shit show, but yes, I can't. They, Yes, all the clergy I know are spending a significant amount of their time being speechless right now. And that's not what we do. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that is not what we do. Uh, I am uh, I, I am almost never at a lack for words. And yet. Yeah, you guys... It broke Alan. He has no 10-gallon words for us today. <laughs> You'll find one. None. You'll find at least one, I'm sure. None. Nothing. It's bad. It's so... Yeah. So if uh, you're like an alien up in space who's caught some sort of uh, sound wave from us or you're listening in from a hole in the ground somewhere or sometime in the future, um, the things that are going on right now suck in the United States. It's really bad here. Um Another man, I don't want to just say a man, because many men and women 
um, have died this way, but a man was murdered by a police officer on a public street in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And um, it was a it was a black man that was murdered and three other police officers stood by and watched the murder happen. As did countless bystanders who kept shouting out, you're killing him. Stop. You're killing him. They did not stop and they killed him. No. And they killed him. Protests, both peaceful and not peaceful, and also riots, uh, many uh, at least, if not all, created by opportunists who just wanted a chance to go loot uh, the Athleta store, um, ensued after this. And quite frankly, right on, absolutely. Uh, for all of the people out there who are saying, why can't they protest peacefully? They have for decades, mm-hmm. and it hasn't done jack shit. No. Um, you know, going back to the civil rights movement, when they, when the leaders of the civil rights movement worked really, really, really hard to make sure that demonstrators in civil rights marches in the South did not respond to police threats or violence. They were met with violence. Large groups of people marched in Alabama and white people lost their shit. They unleashed fire hoses and dogs on peaceful protesters. Laws were changed, but people didn't change. Yes. Um, I reference the parable that Jesus tells about the widow who keeps crying out to the judge and finally gets her justice, but the judge's heart is not changed. He does it to shut her up. And that is that is exactly, exactly what we have been doing in the United States. The laws changed to shut people up, but people didn't change. Certainly not enough people. No. Um, that they're, you know... Uh, Colin Kaepernick takes a knee and white people lose their shit. Eric Garner gets choked to death by police. Eric Garner says, I can't breathe while he's being choked to death. And we didn't believe it. And then NBA players wore t-shirts for their pregame warmups saying, I can't breathe. And white people lost their shit. Those were peaceful protests. White people lost their shit. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Um, Yeah, I'm sorry. But if you are offended by what we're saying right now, unfollow us. I I am I I am absolutely serious about that. If you're offended by what we were saying right now, you don't care to hear the gospel. If if you are more offended by our mild profanity than you are by institutional racism. You need to change your heart. You need a uh, you, you need God to take away your heart of stone and give you a heart for love alone, as the hymn says. Um, we need a, a large-scale uh, awakening, a large-scale repentance on this. Um, metanoia is the word in Greek. Oh, I guess I did uncork it. Oh, there it is. You do have some words left. Also, this is another classic example of you being so much nicer <laughs> than me, because I'm like, just unfollow us. I don't want to talk to you. I can't even with you right now. And you're like, you need a change of heart. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You're right. You're right. Uh, 
Don't unfollow us, maybe, but don't send us angry emails. Think about it long and hard. Like, why does this offend you so much that we're yeah. calling out white people? We are white people, mm -hmm. for the record. We're calling ourselves out as much as anyone else. So, indeed. Um, yeah. Ah. Oh, it's bad. It's just. And I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go a step further and tell you just how wound up I am right now about everything that's going on in the world. So we have uh, uh, race racially inju racial injustice sparked protests, and um, we have also like there's still a pandemic <laughs> going on right now, right? Still a pandemic. People still dying from COVID nineteen, and. I have long had a rule where I do not publicly, and especially not in a sermon, call out politicians by name. That rule is gone. Done with it. Over. Listen to me closely, Christians. If you watched President Trump make a speech threatening to stick the American military on American civilians for expressing their freedom of speech and then march out of the room, tear gas peaceful protesters on the lawn of a church and chase them off so he could get a photo op holding a Bible upside down as if it were a dirty diaper in front of that church. If you are still supporting him. I don't know how you're calling yourself a Christian because the, the we keep hearing this nonsense about red Starbucks cups and happy holidays being persecution. Sorry, that's not persecution. That is your fragile ego being damaged. What is happening now, though, this is bad. This should have you pissed off. There, I said it. Mm, okay. <laughs> Well, I, I am not disagreeing with you. Uh, it, it is it is completely um, it, it is just beyond acceptable. Uh, it, it is beyond reprehensible to use the uh, instruments of the power of the state to push away people who disagree with you, and then to yeah use a Bible for a photo op. Um, you know, he did not ask for permission mm -mm. from that congregation to go there and stage that photo op. In fact, he displaced clergy who were at that church, uh, who, clergy who can vouch for the fact that it was a non-violent demonstration, yes. that it was a peaceful protest. And, and to get up there and hold a Bible that he doesn't, show any evidence of ever having read uh you know it, it's it is just the to 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 stand behind that demonstration is just uh an act of willful ignorance um if 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 you look at that and don't see a problem you're not looking very closely uh if you if you say that uh, this is just a bunch of liberals overreacting, you're not listening. And I would urge you to uh, take a little time and look at the Ten Commandments and study those commandments on idolatry. Um, this, this is moving from a soft idolatry to a hard and fast idolatry. 
And if you think that that he is uh, immune from criticism or that all criticism is unfounded, folks, you got an idol and you need to look at that more closely. Yeah, that is hard idolatry. That is just straight up celebrity worship, mm-hmm. ruler worship, whatever kind of kind of worship. It, it yeah. Um, yeah, again, you're much more nice about the way you're saying all these things than I am. That is such a classic uh, and a funny dynamic of our really our relationship mm-hmm. um, over yes. these past years. Um, yeah, and I yeah, I don't even know where I was going to go with that just now. I, th- and this this all does really tie into um, my passage, my my Genesis passage this week in a way I didn't expect. I didn't expect this all to tie together, but um, I'm getting ready for my uh, next round of doctorate classes next week. And um, whoa, what a fun time to be doing this. Our first class uh, starting on Monday is race, religion, and response. So the readings for that class on top of all that, I, that's, I think, part of where my anger is coming from, because as I'm watching mm-hmm. all of this unfold in our country, and this is stuff that I got in trouble with um, my last congregation for for saying was going to happen four years ago. <laughs> that is now happening. I'm like, hello. Um, so now I'm like watching all of this unfold and that angers me. And um, and I'm also reading all of this history of the church's complicity in in all of this at the same time. And so that's just makes it even more difficult to deal with for me personally. Um, But I'm also taking a discernment, a communal discernment class, which I also think is very, very timely. And one of the, the books that I'm reading references this passage and it started to bring some of it together for me. So hmm. how are you, well, what passage are you using this week and how are you seeing that uh, connect in for you? So I, I am, um, I, I am taking the tail end of the second chapter of Acts. It was one of the lectionary readings from a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe four or five weeks ago, and I'm adding a little to it. So it's Acts 2 verses, um, verses 40 through 47. And uh, Peter has just finished his sermon on Pentecost. So they, they are starting with about 120 believers gathered there hearing the word. And amazingly, they're able to hear one another as if they were hearing in their own languages. And, uh, and I will read from Acts. And Peter testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together, and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. 
and day by day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. I've always found this to be a wonderful story about the power of sharing and being together in community. And as I look at everything that's going on, it is so clear that we do not share with people who don't look like us, mm -hmm. who come from different socioeconomic backgrounds. The, the rich and the upper middle class don't share with the working class and certainly don't share with the poor. Even if we do some charity, we share very little. Even worse, we don't listen to one another. And what happens when we don't share and we don't listen? Things blow up in our face. Uh, I'm reminded of what Bruce Springsteen said 40-odd years ago. Um, sometimes, I, sometimes I feel so weak, I just want to explode. Mm. People don't understand why, you know, white people often say, well, I don't understand why they're, why they're responding with such violence. Don't they understand that they are defeating their own cause? Sometimes I feel so weak, I just want to explode. Explode and tear this whole town apart. Take a knife and cut the pain from my heart. Uh, it, it's, you know, we sing these songs as rock anthems, and then we don't listen to people when they are actually talking about their pain. So I think where this speaks into our reality is we actually have to engage with people. We have to devote ourselves to fellowship and breaking of bread. Uh, we have to follow the apostles' teaching. We have to love one another as God has loved us. And we have so clearly failed to do that historically. And now we are reminded of it violently. Um, this, this is going to take time. But if we sit on the sidelines and talk about why someone else is doing something, as if we're not a part of that something, we're missing the point. Yeah. Again. Yeah, and that also reminds me of an article I read, I think, yesterday on the damage that respectability politics does. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you've heard of the term respectability politics, but it basically means... I, I... Uh, well, for the listener's sake, I know you know, you could mansplain it if you want, but I'm going to continue my explanation. So you could just uh, keep your mouth shut for a second there, Alan. You know I'm wound up today. Don't even start. So <laughs> uh, sometimes I wish there were a video to go along with this. Anyway, um, so respectability politics is the idea of um, if you just play within the system and behave yourself and do things nicely, you can create change. The damage that does, for starters, is it uh, devalues the, the real pain and anger that people are feeling. And it's sort of like a pat, pat, pat on the head. We know you're angry, but play the game nice and it'll be fine. Um, the other thing that it, um, that it does is, for, like you mentioned before, um, you know, kneeling at the football game during the national anthem uh, got Kaepernick in trouble. And he's basically, you know, got blackballed from the sport for a while, essentially. Um, and and for the record, folks, uh, at first he sat during the anthem and didn't stand. 
and was told by a veteran or, or veterans, I don't know the exact details of the story, that that is disrespectful, but you can kneel. So he was told by people who have great respect for the, the flag and the national anthem that it is like you can kneel because that's what is done in honor of fallen soldiers during the national anthem. So it was a sign of respect as well. So, But even that form of playing within the rules got him in trouble. And so those are some of the things that can, um, that can be damaging about respectability politics. Right. And, you know, it just, it says, um, it says to people of color, you have to be a certain way for us to listen to you. And it really is just an excuse for us white folks not to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, it's a way for us to say you have to continue to play our game that we've been forcing you to play for centuries. Right. And and we will also, um, we will say things dismissively like, oh, he's so articulate. Oh. You know, we have, uh, we have thousands of those little digs at everyone else who isn't playing. Oh, that Colin Powell, he's so articulate. Yeah, I had a, a conversation about that uh, the other day with a, a dear friend of mine who's a, um, a biracial woman who is an African-American history professor, one of my very dearest friends in the world. And she talked about that sort of thing, too, you know, like and even things like expecting black hair to play by white hair rules right like we do little <laughs> crap like that it, guys it doesn't work that way <laughs> you know it just doesn't um and all those sorts of things build up and they're just ways of not listening essentially you know if you try to force your rules on people you haven't listened to mm -hmm. what do you what do you expect is going to happen you mm -hmm. know um yeah um, well, so my passage is just in the interest of time as I'm watching the ticker roll by on the recording here. <laughs> we don't want to keep you guys here forever, but this is definitely, there's lots of ground to cover today. Uh, my passage, passage is Genesis 1, 1 through 2, 4, and I promise this connects and I'm going to give you the, the thing that has connected it for me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Does this sound familiar? You may have heard this before. Um, could, could, could you give me a hint? Yeah. Like I said, Genesis 1-1, open up the book. Okay. It's the first words after the table of contents. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. I'm not going to read this whole lengthy passage for the sake of you all today. But like I said, if you open up your Bible, unlike our president, open it up and start at the first 
bit right after the table of contents, you will find this part that I'm talking about here. So God made plants and they were good. He made um, stars and they were good. He made sea creatures and birds and animals on the land and they were good. And then he made people. God made humanity in God's own image. That doesn't necessarily mean God is a bipedal humanoid, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is a little more uh, philosophical than that, but in God's own image, humanity was made. God blessed them. This is chapter or verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God put uh, the people in charge of everything and God saw all that he had made and it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. You can, you could, it gets obvious, right? Where that connects. I, I, I don't know. You, you kind of lost me there. Why don't you, <laughs> I, I mean, with, with, uh, with theological training and years of preaching experience, I think I can make the connections, but I don't want the, an ex, uh, an accusation of mansplaining. So why don't you connect it up for us? I know that would be two in one podcast. That might be a record right there. Um, so where I'm, I'm going with this, I mean, first of all, I have a big rant about Genesis. It's not meant to be taken literally. This is poetry, ladies and gentlemen, that's just like literary genre. It is poetry. And the whole point of this passage is that God created the things around us. And God created them to be good and to work together for good. And God created humanity to kind of um, hold this all together and created humanity in God's image, in an image that is inherently relational. This passage comes up on Trinity Sunday, in which we celebrate the relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were designed to be in relationship with one another, with God, and with creation, and then sin, and now we suck at that. <laughs> um, that's the, the theological term for it is we suck at that. Um, that is my definition of sin. We suck at relationship. And um, the, the book that I'm reading for my discernment class right now that really pulled this together for me is uh, James K.A. Smith, who you've, prob you've probably heard of, Alan, some of you, uh, the others of you may I have. have. Um, this book is You Are What You Love. And uh, it's a great book for those who are fans of not being idolatrous. <laughs> it's, all, it's all about not be, being uh, catering to idols. And he talks about, um, the, he says, the biblical doctrine of creation is not just about where we came from. It's about where we are. It's not just about who we are, but whose we are. It's not just a statement about our past. It is a calling to a future. We are not just dawdling around in some anonymous cosmos. We are home. We are dwelling in God's world. Um, and then he goes on to quote Tolkien later. As Tolkien puts it, we are sub-creators. And we need to pay attention to what we are creating. Ladies and gentlemen, we have created exactly the mess that we are in right now. 
Amen. At risk of preaching my entire sermon for Sunday, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I uh, to tie all this up, um, I, I think this gets back to one of our our core beliefs at the heart of this podcast. Our identity properly is in Christ. Yes. Uh, our identity is in God as revealed in the incarnation and life and ministry and work and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we start placing our identity in other things, we start worshiping other idols. And uh, we are really seeing the fruits of a lot of that idolatry. Mm -hmm. And we have failed to live into that relationship. So I'm going to close us with a prayer today from Julian of Norwich. Now, if you are not familiar with Julian, Julian of Norwich, and we don't actually know that her name was Julian, uh, she was a Benedictine nun in Norwich, England in the 13-1400s. And she is a mystic, mm -hmm. and she wrote a lot of wonderful things. So I would encourage you at a bare minimum to look her up on Wikipedia as a, uh, a fine starting place for an exp exploration of the life and work of Julian of Norwich. Uh, so but I, somebody posted this prayer on Facebook, I think on Monday this week, and it just clicked for me. Uh, it is a prayer for peace. It is a prayer for uh, identity. And um, I think we will close on this note. Let us pray. In you, Father Almighty, we have our preservation and our bliss. In you, Christ, we have our restoring and our saving. You are our mother, brother, and savior. In you, our Lord, the Holy Spirit, is marvelous and plenteous grace. You are our clothing. For love, you wrap us and embrace us. You are our maker, our lover, our keeper. Teach us to believe that by your grace, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Amen. Amen. Now, may God, the God who makes everything holy and whole, Make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body. May God encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friends. Remember that you can uh, connect with us on our website, www.softidolatry.com. You can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And just a quick shout out to our friends, uh, Jason and Tyler over at Roughing the Pastor. I just uh, did an appearance as a guest on their podcast recently, their most recent episode. So go check them out there. And I think we're going to be uh, doing a crossover episode with them at some point. So uh, keep an eye out for that and get ready for Revelation, everybody. We'll see you next week. You know, okay. Alan, one of, one of the things that uh, I've been doing lately is making inventions. And I just invented a new kind of pencil. It has an eraser on both ends. 
Why does it have an I eraser mean, on both well, ends? Well, it's kind of pointless. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Bye. Uh, okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.